morning it is really really great to be here I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go down here <clears throat> really great to be here those of you that, uh, that don't know me my name is Micah Tuttle and uh, my wife Amy is in the back and she's motioning to bring me water yeah I want it um <clears throat> oh So as I understand it, you're, uh, you're doing a study on uh, spiritual fitness, and uh, I'm going to continue with that theme. I, I almost, I was going to switch texts this morning, uh, but then my, my kids all said that you better not do that. They might be planning on you speaking on this, and, and since you announced it and everything. Um, there, I don't, I, sometimes I get excited and then I start yelling, raising my voice, so you might want to turn that volume down a little bit. I'm, I'm just afraid. It sounds really loud. and I'm trying to like speak calmly right now, but I know myself, once I get going, I'm going to get excited. and I should just go without. There, that, that's probably better. But uh, <clears throat> oftentimes as, uh, as believers, uh, something happens I- in our life and uh, something difficult. You go through something really, really difficult And uh, it kind of drags you down into this pit, and and you can easily get stuck there. Um, That is, I guess, uh, something that uh, I've I've really struggled with the last uh, two two years. The Lord brought us back from Peru two and a half years ago, and um, I, I, I love it here in the States. I love the ministry that the Lord has put in front of us, and, and it is very exciting, and the, and the Lord is, is bringing fruit, and, and it, um, in every way, has been great, except for, I miss Peru, and, and I just feel like my heart has been ripped out, and I want to be in Peru. When you spend 20 years in a place and just pouring your, your blood and sweat and tears and abilities and, and money and efforts and everything, your love into a certain people, and, and then the Lord begins to do things, and, and churches are planted, and Bible institutes are started, and, and the Lord is raising up leaders to take the work, and this is the goal of missions. This is, this is great. And, and then the Lord took us out of that and put us here, and, and like I said, I, I, nothing against the United States, nothing against Iowa, I like Iowa, even though my uncle in Minnesota says it stands for idiots out wandering around, but, uh, but I like Iowa, I don't feel like that toward, towards, uh, towards Iowegians, but uh, it has been very difficult to, uh, to, to leave Peru, and um, I, I was kind of coming to a point where I was—I just felt like I was—I was trapped in in this pit, and uh, I was letting my circumstances drag me down. And uh, I would say probably about six months ago, I finally started to come out of it. But uh, kind of out of out of that whole experience, I want to preach this message from Exodus chapter 14. And I want to show you some rules for how to cross the Red Sea. Some of you are facing really difficult things in your life. Maybe some of you are going through super difficult things right now even. You're facing something very difficult this week. Maybe today you've got to go home and deal with a big problem. Or you've just got this weight, this burden that is weighing down on you. And it is difficult. And... Um, I'd like to share from my own experience and then, and then just looking, looking at this text in Exodus chapter 14 of uh, some rules for how to cross the Red Sea. You're facing this Red Sea of problems, this crisis situation, and there's, it seems like there's no way out. How do you deal with that kind of a situation? So if you would open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Um, I would like to begin by reading verses 21 through 29. I'm reading from the ESV. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces, and He threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariot, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and their horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that, uh, that You would help me to say the things that, that we need to hear this morning. We thank You for this passage. We thank You for Your inerrant and infallible Word that You have inspired and we hold it in our hands. And You speak to us through it. Lord, as we open Your Word this morning, we pray that You would put a burning passion into our hearts to get out of the cave to get out of the pit, to cross the Red Sea of problems that we're facing as we look to Christ. We thank You for the tremendous meaning and purpose that You have put into our lives knowing that we've been redeemed not with gold or silver, but with precious blood. Not just any blood. This is the blood of, of the man who is God. We thank You for Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the great I Am, the One who was and who is and who is to come. Lord, we want to bow down and worship You this morning. Once again, Lord, I pray that You would help me to say the words that You want me to say. Lord, we pray that, uh, that You would spark revival in our, in our hearts, personal revival that leads to corporate revival that leads to national revival. Lord, we desperately ask that You would do something great here in these last days in which we live. The end of the ages has come upon us. I pray that You would wake us up. pray that You would stamp eternity on our eyeballs. Put this time into Your, into your hands. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's back up to the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi Hahirot, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Sephon. That is, by the way, how you pronounce those words. You shall encamp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. The first thing that I want to point out right here, as you are facing a crisis, you are facing a difficult situation in your life, you've got to realize this, God put you there. Look at these first couple of verses right here. It says that God says to Moses, tell the people of Israel, go right to the Red Sea. And, and, and there's going to be this, this, these mountains, this cliff on the right-hand side, that's Pihahirot, between, between Migdol and the sea in front of Baal Sephon. Baal Sephon is, is this cliff, these mountains on the left. And, and then Pi Hahirot is these mountains, this cliff on the right. The Red Sea is going to be in front of you. I want you to camp right there. 
And then right after that, it indicates in verse 3, Pharaoh is going to say, and God's saying this, Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel. So God's telling Moses ahead of time, Pharaoh's going to see you right there. And Pharaoh's going to say, look, the Israelites who have just escaped from us, they just marched out as if this victorious army, they've left Egypt, and Pharaoh is going to come after you. He's going to say, look, they're, they're trapped. And he's going to come after you. That means Pharaoh's going to be behind you. The mountains on the right, the mountains on the left, the Red Sea in front. There's no way out. And God put you there. This is an incredible truth. That, that, I mean, it's biblical. You see it everywhere. God has put you right where He wants you. And you may not understand why, Lord, I'm going through something super difficult in my life. I've got these major health problems. Why? I'm this major financial problem. Lord, why? I, Lord, I've got this sin problem. I just can't beat this thing. I feel trapped. Or this family problem. The, the Israelites here, they're trapped. The Red Sea in front, the Egyptians behind, the mountains on both sides, God put them there. There's no way out. You're between the devil and the deep Red Sea. What do you do when your circumstances couldn't get worse? Yesterday at the Iowa State Fair, I went out with about 40 evangelists. I taught evangelism for a couple hours in the morning, then we just went out. We went for like six hours, just sharing the gospel with everything that moved. And the first person that I talked to, there was two women, and I went with a couple, and we approached them and began to talk. About two minutes into the conversation, one of the women burst into tears, and she said, God must have sent you to talk to us. My husband just left me a week ago for my best friend. And I just don't understand why has this happened to me? And I shared some of these things from this passage. The Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why the Lord's put you. You are going through a storm. You are facing a, a crisis of Red Sea proportions. It doesn't seem like there's a way out, but you've got to get this. You've got to grab a hold of this truth. God is sovereign. He's in control. He's put you right where you are for a reason. He wants to teach you something. God took me out of Peru, and I don't know why. And it hurts. He wants to teach me something. Faithful brother that is here this morning, and you're going through something difficult, you've got to recognize, first step for crossing the Red Sea, God put you there. Maybe unbelieving friend, you're not a Christian, but you're visiting this morning, and you are going through major, major problems, difficult things. It is heavy. Listen, you've got to recognize, God put you there. He's got a, he's got a reason Look at the next thing here. Verse 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. God is talking to Moses still. And he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The same thing you get actually in verse 18 as you look a little bit further. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. So, so look at this. God is he's, he's telling him, listen, I'm not giving you all of the reasons right now, but you need to know this. I put you where you are and I'm going to get glory out of this situation. This is a huge step to crossing the Red Sea, to recognizing, Lord, how am I going to get across through this crisis? You've got to realize the glory of God is more important than your personal safety. The glory of God is more important than your personal safety. If God can be more glorified, making me wealthy and healthy, praise the Lord. But if God can be more glorified giving me cancer and grinding me to dust, glory to God. Nobody says that. 
The health and wealth preachers don't say that today. The bottom line is God's glory, not your safety. This is, this is a huge truth, and you've got to grab a hold of that. God is going to be glorified through this situation, and that is the most important thing. Yes, God loves you. He loves you more than you can even imagine. But in order for Him to carry out His purposes and His plans in your life, and He wants your, your good in the big picture, but sometimes you've got to go through something really difficult. Just read the book of Job. But God's glory is more important than your personal safety. This is a chance for God to do miracles. You're going through something really difficult. The Israelites are facing this Red Sea. There is no way out. This is just like, okay, God, we can't get ourselves out of this. This is in your hands completely. This is a chance for you to do miracles. Thank you for this crisis. Thank you for putting me in, the front of, in front of the Red Sea right here. I don't understand why this is difficult. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. But thank you. This is an opportunity for you to be glorified. Look at the next couple of verses. Verses 5 to 9. It says this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And he said... What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots, and he took his army with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with his officers over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen and his army and they overtook them at and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi Hahirot in front of Baal Sephon. I think the point here is you need to know that the devil is after you. That they just marched out. The Lord saved them. He took them out of Egypt, the land of slavery with, with a strong arm. And, and he took them out and he's, he's taken the chains off. They're no longer slaves. And what a picture of salvation. We have been slaved out of the land of slavery to sin. And the Lord has brought us out with a strong and an outstretched arm. And he has taken us. The chains have fallen off. And he is taking us to the promised land. And the first thing that they encounter here, they're in this spot that they can't get themselves out of. God put them there, number one. Number two, the glory of God is more important than their personal safety. And now number three, you need to know that the devil is after you. He's not content that you've escaped from his clutches. Or that the Lord has saved you from his clutches. He wants to put the chains back on. You've got to recognize. You've got to be aware of this. Brother, sister, the devil is after you. Pharaoh's coming after with all of his armies. The devil is after the, Egyptians, after the, the Israelites. The devil's after you. He wants to put the chains back on. The battle is real. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil is coming with his schemes. He is coming with his fiery darts. He wants to render you useless. He wants to make you waste your life. As a Christian, you can waste your life as a Christian. You've been brought out of the land of slavery to sin. You've been saved. But now the devil's after you. He wants to put those chains back on and just make you wander around in that desert for your whole lifetime. Never experiencing the abundant life. Getting into the, the promised land. And this is the first obstacle here. Know that the, that the devil is after you. Let me, I'm just going to, I know this isn't uh, a normal thing to do in church, but I'm just, I'm going to kind of, we're going to pretend that this is the Red Sea right here. And I'm facing this Red Sea and I've got this, this mountain on, on one side and this mountain on the left and the devil is after me. The first step is I'm facing this crisis in life. And this is dangerous. I mean, this is important for, for this CrossFit idea of training, spiritual fitness, because these 
Crisis moments are coming. Maybe you're not going through it right now, but it is coming. There are different moments in our lives when we face a red sea of problems. and You've got to know how to cross it. First step to crossing it, what was it? God put you there. You've got to get a hold of that. You've got to realize God put me there. That is a major step as I cross, begin to cross the Red Sea. Second step, what was it? God's glory is more important than your personal safety. When I recognize that, that that's, a, that's a serious step forward. Third step? The devil is after you. He wants to put the chains back on. He wants to put the chains back on you. We are in a spiritual battle. And to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle and the devil wants to put the chains back on, render you useless in your Christian life. Cause you to waste your life. Don't waste your life, brother. Don't waste your life, sister. The devil wants to put those chains back on. So many brothers and sisters, we've just like, we've fallen asleep. We've let, the devil has put the chains back on so many of you. Major step forward is recognizing the devil is after you. Next couple of verses here. Look at verse, verses 10 and 11. No, just 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Those are great words at the end of that verse. They cried out to the Lord. That's the fourth step right there. Pray! Cry out to the Lord! You might not be able to swim, but you can pray. You might not be able to scale pi hahirot, but you can pray. You might not be able to scale baal sephon, but you can pray. You might not be able to fight the entire Pharaoh army, but you can pray. This is where revival has to begin, I think. A return to prayer. Our churches, we used to be known for prayer. I don't know if we pray that much anymore. I, I, I'm just preaching to myself. I need to pray. I mean, it is, it's easy for me to just read lots of chapters in my Bible, but to really get down on my knees and spend a significant amount of time just in God's presence, crying out to Him. A couple of times I've tried to you know, do an all-night prayer time. I find that I fall asleep after every 15 minutes. They cry out to the Lord. You've got to cry out to the Lord. God puts us in situations sometimes in life that just, that He pushes us into this situation that's really a push to us to pray. He wants to wake you up. He wants to push you towards prayer, towards your prayer closet. Remember one time in Peru, we, when we first arrived, Bert Elliott, who we went to work with, he and his wife Colleen, and a, just a great man of God and, and known as a man of prayer. And we arrived there and, and there was all these people there that were there, were there to, to kind of receive us at their house. And, and there was a, kind of a crowd in the living room there. And, and Bert, he, uh, he just, he got down on his knees and he started praying for us. For Amy and I and Javen and Cohen, our two little boys at the time. And, and he just started praying. And everybody in the room, there was kind of everybody, it was kind of unexpected I guess and as he got down on his knees and everybody kind of was like looking around at each other and was like should, should we kneel too it was kind of the big question should, should I kneel too and and Bert kind of uh, he, he, he saw the the confusion and he just looked up at everyone and he said won't you put yourselves in a position worthy of the worship that our God deserves and all of us yeah we all got down on our knees and and continued to pray together. Cry out to the Lord. I can't, I, Lord, I, I don't know how to face this difficulty, but I can pray. I don't know how to take on the devil and all his hosts, but I can pray. Now look at um, verses 11 
13. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see this great salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Maybe I shouldn't have read quite so far there, but here in verses 11 and 12, look at this. The Egyptians, they say to Moses, this is what we told you. When you, you wanted to take us out of Egypt, we told you in the very beginning, this is a bad idea. Uh, the, the, the Egyptians, Pharaoh, they're like really powerful people. They're like the most powerful nation on earth. We're their slaves. We try, we try this like uh, breakaway thing and they're going to kill us. You know, we're, kinda, we're slaves. It's not so good, but... You know, we're kind of, we've been in this for several hundred years now, and um, we're a little bit comfortable. This is the point that I want to bring right here. Don't be afraid. Listen, when you're afraid, it does weird things to your head. I've experienced this several times. I, I am easily, I, I, before I was a believer, I was a very afraid person. I was afraid to go out in, in our front yard. I, I was scared to death of getting in front of people. I fainted lots of times when I had to get in front of people at school events or things like that. And, and uh, I still faint sometimes, so if I fall over, just you know, come and pick me up and give me a glass of water and I'll, I'll just keep preaching. But uh, fear does really weird things to you. Look at what fear does to these people right here, the Israelites. They actually want to go back to Egypt. What are you talking about? You want to go back to slavery? Have you forgotten what it was like back there in the land of slavery to sin? What are you? You don't want to go back there. That's ridiculous. You're afraid right now and you're just all messed up in the head. You can't be afraid. Moses says to him, don't be afraid. The Lord's going to act right here. Don't be afraid. This is a major, major point. Don't let fear defeat you. This is faith versus fear. They started thinking about going back to Egypt. Look at the insanity of unbelief. It's total insanity. Why would you want to go back there? Let's go through the steps again. So that step right there, don't be afraid. The previous step is cry out to the Lord. Uh, hopefully you're taking notes. I'm going to try to take these steps to burn these steps into your mind. First step, what was it? What? God has put you right where He wants you. First step to crossing this Red Sea of problems. Second one? God's glory is more important than my personal safety. Third step, you've got to reckon the devil wants to put the chains back on. Fourth step, cry out to the Lord, pray. Fifth step, don't be afraid. It messes your mind up. You do not want to go back to what you came from. The Lord has saved you. What are you thinking? Go back to Egypt? That's Egyptian Christianity, man. That's spiritual amnesia. This happens all the time to us. We forget. <laughs> Recognizing that. Don't be afraid. Fear will mess you up. This is fear versus faith. That is a major important step to crossing the Red Sea. Next couple of verses. Look at just in, in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Take the next step. You've got to take the next step. This, this is actually this is crazy. They're, they're, they're standing right in front of the Red Sea, and it's kind of like, go forward? But look, there's like this ocean in front of us. 
Do what? Take the next step? God says, take the next step. You know, there comes a time when it's, it's actually stop praying and take the next step. A lot of times we're just praying about, Lord, we just pray for revival. Or, Lord, we pray. The other day, I was speaking at a camp in Pennsylvania, and, and the, on the first meeting, I said, you know, we're at a meeting like this, and we're talking about revival and these kinds of things. It, 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 we talk about these things. Why don't we, like, form an evangelism team and go out and do it during the course of this week? And, and then we had a prayer meeting that night, and one brother stood up, and he said, you know, let's pray about uh, doing this evangelism thing. And I was just like, there's some things you don't pray about. You just do it. <laughs> okay, pray about it. And then, like right here, God, why do you cry out to me? Okay, you cried out to me. This is great. That's good. But now it's time to take the next step. This is something that we need to do in our churches. We, we need to take the next step. Take the next step. We must go before we can grow. You know, oftentimes, almost never does God show you 10 steps ahead in life. He almost always shows you just one or two steps. Just You take the next step. Even though you don't understand, Lord, I, can't, I wish I could see all the steps for the next 80 years. How you're going to direct me, I want to know all the plans ahead of time. And we, we uh, Americans, we plan and we prepare and we look to the big picture and, and we got to go where we're going. And, uh, but a lot of times in the Christian life, it's, God just takes you one step at a time. Lord, I can't see the second step, but you told me to take the first one. I, I, you told me, I, I, I'm, it's clear from what you've revealed to me, we're just, just, just the next step. You've got to take the next step. Major key to crossing the Red Sea. Now look at this in verses 19 and 20. Then the angel of the Lord, or the angel of God who was going before them, the hosts of Israel, they moved and he went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the hosts of Egypt and between the hosts, or between the hosts of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and darkness, and it lit up the night, one, or without one coming near the other all the night. So can you picture this? You know, I'm just going to act this out. Can you stand up? And can you stand up? Um, let's, let's make you, you, you're the devil, okay? I'm sorry, yeah. And, and you're, you're Israel, okay? And so you're, you're just right here. So um, the, the, the pillar of fire, I, I'm God. <laughs> the pillar of fire, it, 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 God is in the pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud in the day, and He's leading Israel. And they're, just, they're at this point here of taking that step, go forward, and the Egyptians are closing in behind. No, no, you don't even move. You're just right there. And the, the angel of the Lord is before them, and do you see, the angel of the Lord does this spin move thing. And he stands, he goes, he was leading in front, and now all of a sudden, he does a spin move, and he stands between the two. He's defending the one from the other. God is, no, you can't even, you can't even get in here. <laughs> okay, you can sit down. Thank you, thank you. He's not, not really the devil. Uh, but, but just to act that out to see, I mean, the pillar of fire is lead. All of a sudden, he switches positions, and he goes right between them. Step right here. Know that the Lord defends you. This is precious. God defends you. If you're one of His, if you're one of His, He defends you. This, this completely changed my life when I was about 20 years old. Realizing God defends me. If, if He is for me, who can be against me? All of a sudden, all of that fear that just messes with your mind, all of a sudden just realize, what do I have to be afraid of? I, I can go into the worst places on this planet, stand up on a table and preach with my Bible open. Maybe they cut my head off, but who cares? Eternity in heaven. If God is for me, who can be against me? Know that God defends you. The Lord will fight for you. This is God's battle. Our God is a dragon slayer. This assures the Christian right here. 
This is so, assures Moses. God say, God's, basically, God is saying, listen, I've got your back. And he goes and switches positions. And he defends his people. If God is for you, who can be against you? Now look at verses 20. So, so that step right there would be know that God defends you. Next one, verses 21 and 22. And I started out by reading this. The, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by strong east wind all night. And he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. I'm going to say right here, trust that God will do great things. God does the miracle. There is no way out. And here, here's, here it is in these verses. God actually splits the Red Sea. A wall of water on the right, a wall of water on the left, dry ground to it. And they, they, cross the, they, they begin to walk across. They start crossing the... Trust that God will do great things. You know what's interesting? The very thing that threatened them, one of the things that threatened them, the Red Sea... The very thing that, that threatened them, God used to save them. That's the gospel. The very thing that threatens us, death. Eternal death. God used to save us. God the Son lives the perfect life. And, and then He pays the price that we should have had to pay. He, he goes to the cross. He takes on the wrath of God the Father. And then He goes into death. And he uses that death, he conquers death, rising again, and out of death makes a way. He actually used the very thing that threatens us to save us. Conquered death so that we might have life. He uses the very thing here, the Red Sea that threatens them to save them. Redemption. Rescued from Pharaoh. Um... Once I heard a story about a uh, new believer who was reading uh, this, this story right here in Exodus chapter 14, and he was actually he was so, so excited about what the Lord was doing in his life, brand new believer, first time he's reading the Bible, and, and, he, and he goes to just this, this Bible seminary that was close by where he lived, and he was excited about the library there, and so he just sat down at one of the tables and was reading his Bible, and uh, there was a liberal theologian, one of the professors that was sitting there close, close by, and as he's reading this story, the, the new believer's reading this story, and he just kind of yells out, Praise the Lord! Oh, glory to God! As he's reading his Bible, and the liberal theologian who's sitting right there, the, the professor, he looks over and he's like, what's wrong? What, what are you, what's going on over there? Are you okay? And the new believer's like, I'm just, I'm sorry, but I'm reading this story, and I just, I saw the Israelites, they crossed this Red Sea, and the Lord just split the whole thing, a wall of water on the right, a wall of water on the left, dry land, and they walk across it. Well, I mean, what a miracle. Our God is just great. Praise the Lord. And the liberal theologian's as well, you know, at certain times of the year you can explain this scientifically and there actually gets to be really low levels of water, just three inches of water you know, so they probably just crossed on three inches of water, that's what happened there and so the new believer, he's like, oh, kind of, he's kind of bummed out, oh man man, that's too, I thought it was this big miracle, but he keeps on reading and about a minute later he just starts saying, praise the Lord glory to God, and the liberal theologian says, now what's wrong? And the new believer's like, I can't believe it. The Lord just drowned the entire Egyptian army in three inches of water. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. But this point right here, trust that God will do great things. Our God is a God of miracles and He makes a way. He does great things. Our God defends you. Let's walk through the steps again. Walk through the steps again. So uh, I'm facing this crisis of problems. You are <laughs> facing this Red Sea of problems. No way out. First step, you got to recognize God put you there. Second step, God's glory is the most important thing right here. Third step, the devil's after you. He wants to put the chains back on. Fourth step, Pray. Cry out to the Lord. Fifth step. 
Don't be afraid. Being afraid messes with your mind. You start to think weird things like, I want to go back to the old life. You don't realize what you're saying. Don't be afraid. Sixth step. What? Step forward. The next step. Yes, pray, but there comes a point when, okay, stop praying about it. You need to do the next step that God has revealed to you. Step forward. Seventh. We're in seven. We said pray. Step forward. And? God defend. Know that the Lord defends you. That changed everything in my life. When you realize if God is for you, who can be against you? Eighth. Are we on the eighth one? Eighth step. Trust that God's going to do great things. And he splits the Red Sea here. He does this major miracle. He's going to do great things. Got two more. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm probably going over. Guy told me the other, last week, we're never going to see revival as long as we have clocks on the wall. <laughs> Verses 30 and 31. Skipping down to 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the, Egypt, of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians. So the people of the Lord, fe or, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Step number nine here, I'm calling this see your crisis as something that God uses to grow your faith. Look at this. After they've crossed the Red Sea, and, and all of this happened with the Egyptians, and, and, and they get across, and, and they see it all, and they're like, the Lord saved us. And the people feared the Lord, and they believed, it said. It says, right, he, they believed. That's the result of the whole thing. You, this crisis that you're going through, it should grow your faith. It should cause you to just believe even more in our great God and His great cause and His great name. They believed in the Lord. I have a friend. Maybe some of you know Nate Brampson. He's like 34 years old. The Lord is using him in great ways as he preaches the gospel and preaches God's word in different places. But uh, he came and visited us in Peru back in February. We did a river trip together. Maybe some of you read about it in Missions Magazine. We wrote an article together. But um, we're sitting there in the boat, and we're going to the next village. And, and we, we just had a blast. Everywhere we went, he, he was preaching in English, and I was, preaching, or, and I was translating for him. And, and we would have two children's meetings a day, and, and then meetings with the brothers and sisters. And then we'd have an open-air meeting in the village that we went to. And, and he, when he preaches, he walks all around the room. And, and, and he, he, picked, he would go on this side, he'd pick up a little kid, as, as he, and he'd walk around while he's preaching. And I'd go on this side, and I'd, I'd pick up a kid, and I'd translate for him. And, and we just had a blast together. This brother, though... He got cancer a few months ago. He's just 34 years old. Recently married. Just had his first daughter is born. And we're sitting on the boat going to the next village and he looks at me. We're talking, about, we're talking about the scriptures and we're just encouraging each other and talking about what can be done just to encourage the Lord's people and to preach his word wherever we go. We're just talking. And he looks at me and he says, Micah, I am, I, I, I just, I'm so excited God has actually counted me worthy of having cancer. God's gifted me with cancer. I mean, do you, do you realize the, the opportunity that I've got? The platform that, that cancer gives me? I get to show the world what it looks like for a Christian to go through the storm of cancer for His glory. I get to show the world what it looks like to cross the Red Sea, this major crisis, difficulty, and problem. And I get to show them how to do it with my eyes on Christ. I looked at it. I said, Nate, you are weird. <laughs> no one talks like that. That's crazy. But he just he went on to say, look, I, I, the Lord has already grown my faith in Him so much through this crisis. Sometimes I feel afraid, but it just, just makes me realize, man, if, if God is with me, who can be against me? 
God defends me. I know that God has put me right there in this place for a reason. And really, His glory is more important than my personal safety. And just kind of, he was bringing out lots of things. We weren't even talking about this passage. He never heard me. I haven't preached this with him. And, and, but just looking at these things, and he realized, this has grown my faith. You're facing a Red Sea crisis. You're between the devil and the deep Red Sea. There, there are mountains on the right. There are mountains on the left. God has to do something. He has to act. And you cry out to Him and you take the next step. Trust that the Lord will do great things. And then seeing your crisis is something that God uses to grow your faith. One more thing really quickly. In the beginning of chapter 15, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. Last point. Tenth point. Don't forget to worship God. You get across that Red Sea. You've gone through the crisis and He successfully took you through. Don't forget to worship Him. Live, sing, worship as if you're saved. Because you are. He saved you. He set you free. The chains have come off. You've been delivered from the land of slavery to sin. The importance of giving thanks. Never forget your deliverance. You know, missions exist because worship doesn't. Do you get that? Evangelism exists because worship doesn't. Missions and evangelism is not the most important thing in the church. Worship is. Worshiping God, like you see in these first few verses of chapter 15. Worship God. That is the most important thing. This is what we were made to do. But evangelism and missions, that exists because worship doesn't. There are people at the fair, thousands and thousands of people at the fair that don't worship our great God of the Bible. Let's go do evangelism. There are people in Peru that don't worship our great God. Let's go do evangelism. There, there are people in Afghanistan. There are people in China. There are people in the worst parts of the world in difficult, dark places that don't worship our God. Let's go share the Gospel. Let's make Christ's name great. Let's preach to everything that moves. So many people, everyone in this world is facing a different type of Red Sea crisis in their lives. And we go and we preach these things and then at the end of it, don't forget to worship God. He saved you. We ought to, we ought to just recognize I've been saved from Egypt. The, the chains have fallen off. And this whole place ought to just explode in worship. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You that there is hope. We thank You that You are light and life and love. And that you, Jesus, who are light and life and love, have said to us, your darkness will be my darkness. Your disconnection will be my disconnection. Your death will be my death. And then, Lord, you rose from the dead, offering to us, you in darkness come to my light. You in death, come to my life. You in disconnection, come to my love. And we want to cry out to You this morning in worship. You are our great God. The chains have fallen off. And Lord, we recognize the devil is after us. He wants to put those chains back on. But we pray that You would do great things. We pray that You would help us to recognize You put us right where You want us. Help us, Lord, to recognize that Your glory is more important than our personal safety. 
And after getting through these tests and these trials, we pray that we would just worship You. Get down on our knees and worship You, our great God and Savior. We put our lives into Your hands this morning, asking that You would help us to live lives that are victorious. Pray that You would spark revival in each one of our hearts, that we begin to seek You fervently and passionately, that You would use us as useful instruments in Your hands. Lord, I pray for the person that maybe is here this morning that finds himself just in a, in a pit, in a dark and deep pit of problems. I pray that they would come running to You, crying out to You, and as You reveal the next step, that You, that you would help them to take that step. We want to lean on You and live in the power of Your Holy Spirit. Pray that you would give us an eternal perspective. And that as we go through trials and testings, that you would grow our faith. That we would stand back at the end after crossing that Red Sea and just say, We believe. We believe. You are our great God. And we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus Oh